And he called me up shortly thereafter and said, you guys have done so much work on this over the last year. How quickly could you do a, a compilation of that work, update it with the latest data, and let's get it into the hands of as many people as we can. We'll just, you know, we'll, we, we'll put it on paperback. It won't make that much money. But the point of it is to get this information into as many people's yeah. hands as possible. And so, like, how do you pull your information? So, so it seems, you know, the basic narrative out there is obviously you're going to die if you don't have a mask on. Mm-hmm. And, you're gonna, and not only that, you're a murderer if you're not willing to wear a right. mask. Yeah. And so, so the operating assumption of our culture, whether anyone's looked at any or not, is that all the data favors a mask. All mm-hmm. the data is how dangerous you are leaving your home. Because as you point out, you talk like I remember a year ago it was like two weeks to flatten the curve. Like that's not even discussing. Right. And the moving goalpost constantly is like a frustration. Right. So where did you go for some data? And obviously, you can go to your book and people can discover the data. But where did they come from originally? Yeah. Uh, originally, we had to rely on other nations. Okay. Uh, our CDC was either terrible at this, way behind, or malevolent, and you can all decide for yourselves. So should we trust the experts? Um, <laughs> it dep- which, which experts? Uh, yeah. uh, what, what helped us from the beginning is that we didn't have to, I think that we went into this thinking, is this going to be, and I, I mentioned it in my talk in the stage, the, the global warming connection to this, mm-hmm. you know? So is this going to be like a proxy fight for global warming? And what, what was surprising from the very beginning is that there were esteemed scholars from elite institutions around the world who all along have been like, this is bunk, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like a Nobel Prize winning um, uh, uh, physician who defied uh, our, you know, our CDC and others in uh, running, I think it was uh, Argentina's hydroxychloroquine program. Uh, Dr. Martin Koldorf at Harvard University, he designed the VAERS uh, vaccine incident website for CDC. Now, he's been a staunch um, um, opponent of lockdowns from the very beginning. These second opinions have all been, it's a little bit like, let's make this very practical. What's, what's amazing to me, as you mentioned these names, like these they're nowhere here, to be found. Yes. They're, they're nowhere to be found. And these are not, again, from Poduck Junior Colleges. Yeah. Multiple scientists. Before, before Scott, and I love Scott Atlas, but Scott obviously is a political figure from the Hoover Institution. But there are like non-politicized scientists at Stanford University. Dr. John Ianides, for example. Uh, he looked at the Diamond Cruise ship, the Diamond Princess cruise ship last year at this, and, and, and tried to extrapolate because he does uh, world, world population health for Stanford. And everything he wrote about the IFR and CFRs of this virus from what we got from the Diamond cruise ship has turned out to be correct. These people were just all ignored unless they fit into one narrative. So let, let me make it really practical and for the kind audience. Of, kind of even, sorry to hurt you, but, but one thing that's even fascinating with that, like going on social media, the, last week there's just tons of things saying Stanford denies any. So, so yep. you know, even if you appeal to the Stanford scientists, yes. Stanford denies. Yes. And, and, and so the, the, the plastering marketing campaign from Twitter to Facebook is... No and that's exactly what it is, is a marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. Look at it this way. If, if someone came to you, if, if your doctor gave you a very dire diagnosis and said, in order to treat this, we're going to have to remove a very sensitive part of your body. You have mm-hmm. testicular cancer. We have to remove a lump from a very sensitive part of your body to treat this. That may be true, but before you decide to let them operate on that part of your body, what are you probably going to go and try to find you're first? At least one more. Opinion. At least one more opinion <laughs> least one before more. you open at yourself up more. to yeah. that level of scrutiny, right? <laughs> that's exactly what didn't happen here. And I think that's where we got a lot of our early confidence because if it was just 
political from the beginning, we would have tiptoed a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And we would have let more of the, the domestic data play itself out a little longer because in the end, lives are more important than a political narrative. But when we saw from the beginning how many scholars around the world and in our own country, the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine at Oxford University, for example, has been highly critical hmm. of Boris Johnson for the last year. That's the number one rated university in the world. And if you see Boris Johnson publicly, it, it's acting as if he's just liberal as far as open everything up, let yeah. everybody die. And, and, and yet here he is locking things down, yes. receiving criticism. So. And that's what gave us just as a couple of schmucks uh-huh. in Iowa. All right, hey, there's, this, there's actually people that understand the professional lingo and things here. And then, and then we started getting stratified data from other nations around the world. And, that's, and, then, and, and then there was a letter that uh, Senator Cruz sent after I, I brought a lot of this data to Ted Cruz. I, used, I was a strategist on his presidential campaign. And I said, hey, our CDC, we got to do something about this. And so Ted's office took our data and put a letter together uh, to Robert Redfield, who was the head of the CDC last year. And, try, and that's when I think we started to begin to get some real answers from, you started seeing stratified data from our own CDC and things of that nature when we started to pressure them along those lines. But, but that begs an obvious question that every critical thinker listening to this should ask themselves. Why during at least the worst pandemic since the Hong Kong flu in 1969, probably the worst since the Spanish flu 100 years ago, and, and given the, all the technology we have to get all this data out there into the hands of the average person that didn't exist 50 years ago or 100 years ago, why did they have to be pushed and prodded to show you this data? Mm-hmm. All the answers to that question are bad. Yeah, and the thing that was interesting in, in your talk, you, you said two things I, I found pretty fascinating, I think, is, is absolutely right. One, you mentioned Sweden, their consistent secularism. Mm-hmm. So, so they're able actually to be in a sense yes. more free yes. in their pursuit of the data. Yep. And, and the other thing was kind of intertwined with that. And it made me think of uh, Francis Schaeffer, How Then She Live. He does these videos. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but he makes the comment that what's really needed is the outworking of human. You don't need a conspiracy here. What you need is a consistent outworking of humanism. And I can't remember exactly how you worded it, but there was something close to, along those lines, like this is the application of their, basically like the yes. hermeneutic. And, and yes. So, would you mind addressing That's, that? that you, well, I mean, you nailed it. Ultimately, um, whether the virus, we just got unlucky one day that a bat that nests 900 miles away from Wuhan, China, or 900 kilometers away from Wuhan, China, just happened to end up in a wet market gnawing on a pig with this virus, Uh or it was engineered and altered some way in a lab. Whichever the true origins of this are, the Bill Gates didn't have his world dominionist vaccination program. Um, he, he had this set up for whether it was going to be COVID-19, COVID-38, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the next um, rhinovirus, wh- whatever. I think that's important to understand that this is a manifestation, a fulfillment of a belief system and a worldview. You know, it, it says, you know, when, while we were, when the time was right, Paul writes, God sent his son. Well, what does that mean when the time was right? Now, maybe one way that Paul is expressing this, look at human history at that time. All right, so, the, so most of the civilized world, for the first time since Babel, is under really one 
culture, custom, and language, the Greco-Roman culture. We have advancements in asphalt, paving of roads, seaways, things of that nature. For maybe the first time since, the, since humans are dispersed at Babel, it is possible to go to almost the entire civilized world with one singular message. And so maybe that's why the time was right, right? That that's just not like a random statement Paul makes, but that God was literally, so, through his sovereignty, waiting, aligning history for when the moment was right for the Messiah to come. The enemy has counterfeit versions of the exact mm-hmm. same thing. Yeah. When the time was right, when we were preconditioned, when we had spent a generation being indoctrinated out of critical thinking in government schools, paganized, etc., um, when we had become increasingly statist as a people, right? Line those. There's there can be an unharmonic convergence <laughs> too, and I think that's what I was referring to. Yeah, and and uh, if, you know, R.J. Rushdoony, he wrote a uh, article called "The Society of Satan," and. Mm-hmm. Um, probably one of the most influential paragraphs on my thinking ever, because he just lays out that the, the unbeliever has the analog to whatever we have. They have an analog atonement. Yeah. They have an analog sovereignty. Right. And once you realize that, yeah, this realm of neutrality is not really there, and you do have these antithetical systems of thought that, yeah, once the facts come in, even even as a Christian, like, you know, we, we kind of mock the idea of, oh, uh, you know, don't let any, what were they, uh, go go unexploited. I'm totally blank on that. The crisis, don't the, let the crisis go to waste? Yeah, don't right. let the crisis go to waste. Even yeah. as a Christian, you want to, oh, here's our opportunity. Yes. So, so I understand the basic desire of, here's our opportunity, let's take it, and they're just running to the hill. Correct. And, and even as you pointed out in your talk, and I think it's fascinating of how much came up with, and I was down in Los Angeles when the thing hit, and like it was like two weeks later, kind of like, it's a clean city. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And, and so, and it, it'll be curious because, what was it, two years ago, we had 12 years left uh, we, right. uh, until we were right. going to die. And so... The, the the lay the laying of the land seems to be that that's the trajectory. Things are shut down. Here, look how you know the bird nature is healing itself. You know what I mean? We're all, we're all returning back. To we're the, the virus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yes. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And yep. humanity is is the plague. Really, yep. the, the real plague here is not. You know, but to, to, to the spirit of the age, we are the plague. Yeah. To the demonic manifestation of the world system of the era that you live in, you are mm-hmm. the plague. And yeah, and fascinating enough, within their system. We're, we're just a byproduct of it. You know what I mean? So, so this, the subtle irony is they're actually giving us dominion over the world. And mm-hmm. so, so it's actually Christianity gives us the context, yes, we have dominion of the world, and yet their whole operating assumption is man-made, global warming, man-made, right. whatever it is. The subtle irony I used is... To, I used to interview, I used to try to get global warming scientists on my local show before when we were just in Des Moines, and I'd always ask them, are you a committed Darwinist? And the, apparently the memo got out. I got like two of them to come on and they fell for this. And then I couldn't, I can never get anybody to do this again. Are you a committed Darwinist? And they would say, well, of course. I'm like, then, then if human beings are, are causing the earth to inhospitably warm, why isn't that natural selection at work? Mm-hmm. Why hasn't natural selection determined that it's no longer, it's no longer right for the ecosystem, for the, for the species Homo sapien to be at the top of the food chain? And so it is adjusting conditions accordingly, and then it will be the salamander's time to rule the, the habitat for the next you know, epoch. Yeah. Well, aren't you acting against your own stated belief system? And even, even who we are in the system, we're really no different than a volcano. You know what I mean? And right. so when the volcano bursts and it gives out all of its CO2 and it warms the air and all that like we're really fundamentally no different. You know right. what I mean? Uh, are we? Do we have meaning or do we not? Mm-hmm. Are we unique in the in the creation or are we not? Yeah. Do we do we have a, do we carry a distinctiveness or do we not? And what's funny is the the this while 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 claiming this, the while the spirit of the age claims that we do not, as you pointed out, it often behaves in acknowledgement that we do. Yeah, yeah. And, and that is the subtle irony is the whole global warming thing, the whole save humanity thing is. 
yeah, in the pretext of kind of a Christian position. Mm-hmm. And so it is a sort of place where apologetically from the gospel standpoint, we should be able to lean in. Like we shouldn't shrink back and just be shrill and straight, but just absolutely yep. lean in. And so the, this whole pandemic, even as there are so many good things, seriously, listen to his talk, go get his book. I haven't read his book. I'm now going to have to read <laughs> the book because, because given the talk, there's just so many things that were good. Like, yeah, like you were laying out and I think you're reasonable because even sometimes I feel like, you know, conservatives in response to it, like almost like act like they don't care about humanity. Yo, we don't care. You That's why we need data. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're That's why the, the, the question at the end I got about vaccinations, I urged the guy not to impose the same dogma because we oppose the notion of vaccine passports. Mm-hmm. Let's not now let's not reverse engineer bad data on vaccines that does not exist. See, this is the challenge we have as believers is we understand that that the enemy has, as you put it, an analog for everything that God ordains. But but we aren't permitted the same tactics that he is mm-hmm. in, in advancing his narrative into a propaganda. We, we have to do ours with integrity. We, we are commanded to use a level of, tactic, of, of tactical deployment that, that edifies our beliefs, doesn't undermine them. Mm-hmm. And that always means we're going to probably be a step behind. We're, we're going to always give a benefit, like when, when there is a pandemic, we're always going to be a step behind. Let's make sure that, that we, this isn't the walking dead. It's not, it's, it's not the bubonic plague. Before we, 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 Christianity is not for reactionaries. And I think that's where we have to be very, very careful, especially the more the culture falls into political balkanization, we will be tempted to fall into which of my reactionary camps will you edit, will you affirm now? Mm-hmm. And so you, you, we have to, you know, in the world and not of it means that you can oppose the notion of vaccine passports and what they mean without being intellectually dishonest about what the vaccine data actually says. Yeah. If wh- whoever has to lie to make their case probably has the crappier case. Yeah. And, and if we're Christians and we're lying as part of our agenda, right. we've, we've already lost. There's a problem. Part. Yeah, yes. there's a problem. We've yes. actually undermined our own kingdom. So yes. We can let Satan, the father of lies, advance, try to advance through lies. Yes. And, and we are better off, like you're saying, taking our time, presenting our case, being faithful to the gospel. Um, so, you know, I don't want to keep you. I said I'm going to interview you for a few minutes, and I know some other people want to talk to you. But how can they learn a little bit more about who you are, what you're doing, and then from there, how to get your book if it's, sure. not, if it's not banned at this point? It is not. We, we've sold too many copies. Amazon can't ban it. Now they're making too much money off the book, actually. So we put this thing out on paperback, thinking, you know, we'll make a bunch of money on this. Well, when you sell as many copies, you can make it up in volume. But um, you can get it in Amazon right now. And the beauty of it on paperback is that um, we never run out. Uh, you know, you do a hardcover and then there's printings and back orders. And this way we can keep fulfillment going constantly. We've had so many people uh, order multiple copies of Fauci and Bargain, send them to their pastors, family members, because we want, we want to set the captives free with this book. But we also, there's two goals of this book, setting the captives free, number one. Number two, flesh out the, fall ob- the false objection. Who's a sheep mm-hmm. and who's a wolf, right? The sheep just doesn't know. Um, the wolf doesn't want to know. Mm-hmm. So how, we, how do we find out whose motivations are righteous here? Put real data in front of them and you'll find out the answer. So you can get Fauci and Bargain uh, at Amazon and then just if you listen to podcasts like on iTunes and stuff, just search for our name, uh, Steve Dace, D-E-A-C-E. Okay, great. Yeah, I actually first met uh, Steve about a decade ago. I was preaching in Iowa. Some friends knew who Steve was. He was running a, a radio show in a mall, yeah. in a mall in downtown, yes. downtown Des Moines. Yep. And, and I like there, there were a couple other uh, local radio shows that maybe at the time may have been like bigger locally that I was able to do. But I will, I, I, the, without you know, pumping you up here, uh, I really thought from sitting down with you to the end of the interview, I was like, like the, the, I was like, Steve has to be one of the smartest people uh, j- just 
the ability. So I sat down with Jen first, and we mm-hmm. maybe talked for like 20 minutes, and then she may have spent like two minutes with you debriefing what our discussion was. And then I sit down, and I was like, how does Steve know everything about me? <laughs> it, was like, it was like a two-minute download that Jen gave you. It helps to have almost a photographic memory. <laughs> it makes people think you're smarter than yeah, you yeah. actually are. And, and I yes. just remember being like, how does this guy recall? You know, yep. It was a two-minute download that he got and ended up being a great interview. I, 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 my, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I was able to get a little jab in on you because you, you said you made a comment. You were able to get people to listen to you for five hours? Well, you were able to get people to listen to you for three. Yes. And, I remember you, and then and, uh, I think it was Rebecca, Mark Jasinski, if you remember him, he was sitting in the booth with Rebecca, and Rebecca goes, there's too much confidence in that room. And so, so, <laughs> so my, my, my first couple of radio interviews, I was, I was fairly confident along the way. But it, it was a great time. It was great to see you. Thanks for coming you on. You bet, man. And, uh, yeah, th- great talk. Thank buy, you. Buy his book. Seriously, like, because we, we need better than just shrill responses and appearing to not ca- like we care about our neighbor. Amen. And so yep. we do love our neighbor. We don't want our neighbor to die. And like you're saying, we want real data and we want science. And- if, the ma- if the data showed that the masks work, I'd have stood in that room today and said, I know they suck, mm-hmm. okay? But they're saving lives, mm-hmm. all right? And I'm not saying we do it indefinitely, but they, are, they don't work though. Mm-hmm. And so that's why now we're being asked to participate in a religious ritual. Yeah. But my first priority would be what you just said. Yeah. Yes. Great. Excellent. Yeah, it is kind of a secular book at this point. So thank you very much for coming on. Yep. Uh, Fight, Laugh, Feast, network.com forward slash live rally. Thanks, man. Thank you. You bet. Take care. You bet. Good to see you. Good to see you again.